Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beat the Bell. I'm Ian Whitfield, joined here by Shane Riley. Shane, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ian. Uh, the NFL Combine was finishing up today, as we saw great guys like DK Metcalf and, of course, Bryce Harper signed at the end of last week. So we got some great topics to talk about today. So let's get right into it. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, to start us off here, Shane, um, does the Combine – or, sorry, the Combine obviously just finishing, as you said earlier – do you think that this combine affects who you originally thought will be the number one pick? I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it did not change at all. I, I had Nick Bosa being the number one overall pick to pair up with Chen, Chandler Jones in Arizona. Uh, this kind of just confirmed that he is healthy. He looked good on the bench press. His 40 time was uh, very good for a defensive lineman. Obviously, it's not like top tier like some of the guys who are running like four sixes. But he did run a four eight, which is which is a good number for a defensive lineman. Uh, obviously, you've seen how great his brother has been with the Chargers. Uh, they say that Nick Bosa is going to be just as good, if not better, than his uh, older brother Joey. So I definitely can see him being the number one overall pick just because uh, the Cardinals already have Josh Rosen, who is a raw talent, and people have said that they should take a chance at Kyler Murray and have them battle it out, and may maybe they can make each other better. But I believe that they should – get a good defense going similar to like what other teams have done where they just pick up uh, have a stacked defensive line and they're able to get pressure uh, get takeaways and just help their offense calm down and really settle in yeah I think that I don't really think it affected the overall number one pick I think it helped a lot of people's draft stock like DK Metcalf for that example the fact that he's probably just put himself as a top 10 pick so that's good for him, obviously. But I think that the number one overall pick, agreeing with you, Shane, is either is going to be Nick Bosa. But I, another player I think that could see himself get in that top pick is um, Quinnen uh, Williams of Alabama, defensive tackle. He's an absolute stud. I mean, I watched this man play in the national championship and the national uh, or the semifinals of the national championship. And every single play that he was on the field, he'd get to the backfield. Or whether it was to get a sack or just pressure or literally push the offensive lineman up against his quarterback. Like, it's just uh, it's something that a team wants badly. It's almost like an Aaron Donald-type player. And that's kind of what I would want if I'm an NFL coach. I know Nick Bosa is obviously the one that has all the hype around him. But I think Quinton Williams is another player that will probably end up going top three and I think is also worthy of getting that top pick. But... I think that's all we have on that. So heading into our next topic now, Shane, um, after making headlines and dropping jaws, where do you believe DK Metcalf will end up? Uh, yeah, D DK Metcalf had a astonishing combine performance. He ran a 4.33, had a 40.5-inch vertical, and a 11-foot, 2-inch broad jump, which is uh, tremendous. He's also an absolute tank, uh, standing at 6'3", 6'4", 225-plus pounds, uh, you know, where he will end up, uh, def I definitely believe he is a first-round pick, uh, 100%. But I don't see him going in the top 10 just because of the risk of the neck injury. Um, you've seen guys like Peyton Manning who had the neck injury, and, you know, he just wasn't able to perform uh, on the field anymore. So I can definitely see him uh, slipping a bit, and I can actually see him being picked up by the Washington Redskins who lack a uh, dominant number one wide receiver. Uh, coming in at 15, it, it is a little bit of a – it's not that big of a risk. It's not a top-five pick like someone like the Jets who could ob obviously take him. But I believe in the top ten there's just so many defensive studs that all these guys are going to draft them, and DK is going to fall into the late teens, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. There's so many really good defensive players this year and a bunch of really good offensive linemen that I think the top ten will be stacked with them. 
But with that said, I could still see him going top 10. I don't think Cube will go in the top five or anything like that. Like, he's not – he's a super, like, athlete. Don't get me wrong. But obviously the injuries are holding him back and are getting um, some scouts aware. But I could see him ending up on my Buffalo Bills or something like that. Just like Josh Allen doesn't really have any good wide receivers around him. It's a number nine pick, so you're definitely still high enough to get him. It's still almost in that range where you're like, well, it's not a top five pick. Let's not – be super, super cautious. I mean, number nine is a great pick. Don't get me wrong. But I think that's a pick where you could get a guy like DK Metcalf and try to set your team up for the future. Is That's a target that Josh Allen could grow and develop under. So I think that's a great landing spot for him. And But yeah, I do agree. I could see him dropping because of that neck injury. But luckily, that's not an injury like an ACL or something like that. Cause, so it is something that won't really affect his physical um, ability on the field. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's definitely a great player. Uh, watching some of his highlights at Old Miss, they were terrific. Uh, Bryce signed Bryce Harper, of course, signed with the Phillies for a record three hundred and thirty million dollars over a thirteen-year deal with no opt-out, and he has a no-trade clause. Ian, do you believe this was the right move for Bryce and the Phillies? Uh, as a Nats fan, it pains me, but I think it's the right move for Bryce. I don't know if it's the right move for the Phillies. I'm Bryce Harper is a great player. I think he's going to be one of recognized as one of the um, best players to ever play the game at, coming at the end of his 13-year uh, stunt in Philly. But uh, it's a guy that bats 250. I mean, I granted, it's a lot of home runs. Don't get me wrong. 250 is okay. But 250 for a guy batting 250 for $330 million over 13 years, no ops out, no trade. Like, I mean, you're trying to bet that this guy is going to not only pick it up, but he's going to continue to do this for 13 years straight. And you're also putting your organization in a situation where now you have to pay this guy so much money for this amount of time. I just don't – I don't know if that's the right – it was the right contract by the Phillies to give him. I think for Bryce it was the right move. I mean, no opt-outs, no trade or anything like that. 13 years, $330 million, yeah, sign that contract. But I think that for the Phillies they should have been a little more cautious or waiting. Obviously it was a little bit of a Hail Mary, but I think – that it was the right move for Bryce and not really for Philly. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one because, you know, we see guys go down with injuries all the time, mm -hmm. and by the end of their career, they've kind of fallen off. Uh, still having to pay him $25 million per year when he gets into the late 30s, 35, 36, 37, and, of course, when he gets to 38, which is when around the time the contract ends. I mean, 13 years is a long time for a guy to sustain uh, consistent numbers, especially when you're trying to, you know, like a Jason Worth situation that happened with the Nationals by the end of his career, he just wasn't the same and you know really started to get an injury problem but I definitely think uh Bryce made the right move uh I mean he also had a bunch of other options if he was actually going he could have probably signed a deal I think it was 45 million dollars a year for two years with the Giants but if he if he doesn't perform in those two years he's going to lose a lot of money yeah. he wouldn't get the same deal so I definitely agree with you on both sides of that it was the right deal deal for Bryce Harper um yeah so we're just getting to our next topic which is uh, the Lakers are now three games under 500, and LeBron has ver verbally and physically expressed his frustration on and off the court. Who's at, who's to blame for the team's lack of success, and what could be a possible answer for them to make a late playoff push? Um, I think that the Lakers obviously being three games under 500 is a result of, I don't like pinning a lot on LeBron, but I think it is a little bit of a lack of 
uh, composure by LeBron James. I think a big part of it is Luke Walton. Like, don't get me wrong there. I think he deserves to be fired, and I think they should get a new coach as soon as possible, especially with a playoff push coming up. I mean, I don't know why you'd keep a guy that the players aren't playing for. But I think LeBron needs to show a little more leadership, not just complaining or saying these guys need to work harder. I think he needs to show that too on the court. Don't get me wrong, he's putting up great stats and stuff. But, I mean, Instagram videos have shown him and social media has shown him just standing around on defense, letting his players run free, not coming back after their team turns the ball over, not trying to make a hustle play or something like that. I think it's just small stuff like that that can go a long way with this, such a young team. And I think if LeBron can show that he's 100% invested into trying to make this playoff push and that just saying playoff mode is activated, he actually needs to show that and get these guys rallied up and try to make sure – that everyone's fired up and trying to get involved in this late uh, playoff push. Yeah, I, I, I don't say I'd fault it 100% on LeBron. They've had a couple uh, uh, things that really have swayed the way, like uh, when Lonzo Ball, of course, got hurt. They haven't been the same without him. He puts up great assist numbers. He gets rebounds for a guard. Uh, he, he really benefits the team. But one and four in the last couple games, and none of the teams have really stuck out besides the Bucks, who are a good team, but losing to the Grizzlies and, of course, the Suns, uh, just just on Saturday is is not a good game. Uh, they really just lacked the killer mentality to finish that game against a team that has struggled almost the entire year. Uh, a bunch of young guys. LeBron should be able to uh, really just show the way for Brandon Ingram and uh, guys like that, young who are learning how to perform in these clutch moments. And I just don't think. I mean, you saw saw him goofing off in practice. He's acting real loose and stuff like that. Not like. I mean, not that he should feel the pressure 100%, but, I mean, he can ease, like show that he is focused 100% instead of kind of messing around and practice and stuff like that. So I yeah, well, I mean, we're in the heart of the season, heart of the playoff push. You might need to take it a little more seriously, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening this week. That's all we have. Um, please make sure to tune in next week to Beat the Bell, and we'll see Beat the Bell 